Let us hear the scripture lesson from the book of Job. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful army comes. Their like, had, their like has never been from old, nor will be again after them in ages to come. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the age. Gather the children, even infants at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not make a heritage, make your heritage a mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the peoples? Where is their God? The word of the Lord. My friends, I have a couple of questions that I want to start off and, and ask, and I don't know how my wife and my children are going to feel about this. But do you, or any of you, think that my wife, Chasey, would have believed me if I told her that I was taking her on a date night tonight at Central? And we were calling this date night Valentine's Day, uh, Ashentine Day, as Reverend Meg called it earlier in the email. What if I outran Dan, climb up the scaffolding to the top of the church dome, declaring to my son's Tyler and Chase that the imposition of ashes was the new replacement for money and gifts? Do you think they would get excited and urge their friends to embrace this new development? Many of you, as I know, know that these notions would probably not work well in my favor. I probably would be put in the doghouse by my wife, and my children would probably disown me. In fact, if we look at Ash Wednesday and the imposition of ashes as mere reminders of our mortality, many of us would not think it was cool as cool as Christmas Day, Valentine's Day, or even St. Patty's Day. Yet, my friends, we are gathered here this evening regardless of our motivations or our thoughts which says a lot about our faith and our commitment to God. 
And it is in this union of passage where the prophet Joel is calling the inhabitants of the land to hearken to the trumpet sound and gather together, not for a special day like a holiday. Rather, the call is for the inhabitants to return to the Lord, who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing hope. It seems as if the Lord was eager to forgive the people of Zion for their sins and disobedience, which leads me, led me to wonder, why is the Lord so gracious and merciful to people that do not always obey or follow the ways of the Lord? Is it because we are so good or so innocent that we deserve God's love? Is it because we manage to become sweet because we know that the Lord has a day specifically set aside like Valentine's Day? Or is it because we have figured out how to turn ourselves into majestic beings of sunshine without any help from anyone like Reverend Meg? Similar the questions I posed earlier about my wife and children. I believe the Lord is not out to trick us or woo us into believing something that is not true. In fact, the Lord is not even interested in enticing us with candy-coated hearts or candy-coated strawberries on special days. Rather, the Lord is seeking to love us before, during, and even after our shortcomings by God's grace. Unlike human beings, the Lord is not out to fancy our romantic senses. The Lord is calling us to repentance, reflection, forgiveness, and renewal. The Lord understands that we are frail like the dust ash where we came from and will return. Yet, even in our frailties and shortcomings, the Lord still loves us. The Lord's love is far ahead of us in his provenient grace which covers us from sin and mess that we often get ourselves in into for various reasons. In fact, I contend the Lord will not put us in the doghouse or disown us where we have to sweetheart our way out. Instead, the Lord is calling us to repent and move in a direction guided by piety and mercy. And what makes this turn possible, my friend, is the fact that God's presence is with us every turn of the way. The Lord understands that we're going to make mistakes. The Lord understands that we're not going to always get it right and let my wife tell it I never get it right. But because the Lord is gracious towards us, the Lord is 
eager and willing to forgive us and by his spirit help us to move in the right direction. It is, my friends, for the love of God that we're given opportunities to embrace and share God's love with others, including our Valentine's Day sweethearts. Our love should not be predicated by time, place, situation, or all the other idiosyncrasies that separate us. God's love and grace are unmerited. And I am glad that God loves us that much, even through the death and even the resurrection of Jesus. And in closing, my friends, yes, you did hear the reading from Job. And yes, shortly you may receive the imposition of ashes tonight. However, we are better because of the Lord's call to us and because we remember our frailty and our need for God's divine grace. And we know these things because of the love of God that surrounds us and continuously calls us to return to God. No, this is not Valentine, Valentine's Day or Ashantine Day. But the love of God is the greatest love of all. And that is worth celebrating even more than Valentine's Day. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.